Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, really good to, to be together this morning, and um, yeah, we're, we're excited tonight just to get kicked back into the Seek First uh, rhythms of things, you know, just for us to gather in a space with no real agenda other than just to worship, just to give Him the praise and glory and honor that is just rightfully His, and uh, but in these moments, it's just, it's beautiful being able to just gather as family, it's in these moments, even this morning, just to gather as friends and as family, just to hear what God is speaking to us um, as, as His people. Um, I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't really planned to say this, um, but I, I, I want to, a couple of other people mentioned this morning, I, I just want to just briefly just, I want to name like just a bit of an elephant in the room. Um, uh, last week I was leading worship. That wasn't the elephant in the room. Um, at, I, over, over the years I've done that for many years, but it was such a joy getting to do it last, last week. But, uh, last week, um, coming off the stage, my, my right leg kind of buckled walking off the stage at the grip on the Marty Timlin who'd helped me off the stage into my seat. Everyone needs a Marty Timlin in their life, right? Um, he's, um, what, what a blessing Marty is. Um, just, I, I suppose, I, I was opening with, with our elders, but as for you, as, as my family, as my friends, I just want to be open as well. Obviously, many of you know, some of you might not, but over, over maybe half a lifetime ago, 20 odd years ago, I was, had a diagnosis of MS. Uh, which raises its head now and again. I don't have progressive MS. I have relapsant remittent MS. There's moments where I go in the moment of relapses and then praise the Lord. I, every moment that I've gone under remission, I've fully recovered. It hasn't left any damage to my body. And uh, I just, I want to just name it just to say, because I, I recognize that many people were aware about it. Some people have been asking. And rather than it just creating a narrative, what is going on? I'd just rather just say to you, this, this is happening at the moment. It's creating a level of weakness, maybe in my right leg, fatigue. That's, that's mainly it. Maybe the second service, I'm going to be on a cool-looking stool, maybe, uh, as we do this. But I, I just would love your prayers as, as my family, as my friends, as church family. I'd love you to be praying as well. I'm still able to get on and do most of the things that I need to do, uh, praise God. But um, I just I wanted to be open, just rather than just being an unknown, unspoken thing, just to be open and vulnerable with you uh, all in this moment. But that being said, we're here as family together. In this moment, we're here believing in resurrection life. We're here this morning to hear what he has to speak. And even as we prepared for this week, I guess, similar to what Phil even said last week, how I felt really encouraged in my own soul, just with what the Lord is saying through this passage. In a way, I got loads out of it, so I hope in this short time you get lots out of it as well. We're going to be in John chapter 20. We're going to jump straight into it this morning uh, from verse 19 onwards. Um, over the last while, obviously, um, Phil did an introduction. Robbie did an amazing job with Mary in the garden. Uh, we explored it, and then last week, Phil was looking about the two on the road to MS. but this morning, we're going to be looking and exploring as Jesus in the next post-resurrection appearance, almost with two of them back-to-back, -back, as he appears to the 10 disciples, so Judas is gone. There's 10 disciples that he appears to at one time, and then he appears again just a week later. We're going to read that this morning, but as, as we do it, I guess as we go through each of these weeks, particularly from our title, From Familiar to Fascinated, this morning, I just want to frame a question just to bring a bit of a focus for us just to think through today as we, as we look at this. And I suppose each of the weeks, this is what we're trying to ask. I simply want to ask this question. What can happen as we encounter and partner 
with resurrection life. Sometimes we can read these accounts. We've heard them before. We are familiar with them. We can say they're historical moments that we just reflect on. And yet they are much, much more than that. They are moments of an introduction as Jesus encounters people. And through that, as Jesus wants to even encounter us afresh this morning and to teach us and to lead us into new life. This is the song that we just sang, the line, who gave us life beyond the grave. Yes, one day... One day, it was appointed unto all men once a day, we believe in the resurrection from the dead force. But yet, actually, in Jesus' resurrection, what is the life beyond the grave that Jesus wants to release for us? What is the life that we can encounter? What is the life that we can partner with if we would believe in it? And this morning, as we read this, I want you to read it not just to look back. And isn't it amazing what Jesus did with the disciples? I want you to read what's available to me right now as a believer in this way. And so, with Bibles open... Let's get in straight into this this morning. So this is John chapter 20, so verse 19, and it simply says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, even the disciples were together, and with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Before I get into everything I'm saying this morning, just even that last part that we've read, imagine this, the number of many, many other things that Jesus did that aren't recorded. Can I just say this as a thing? Sometimes we can say, if we don't read chapter and verse, if it's not in there, we don't believe it. There are many other things, much of what the Spirit will lead us into. It won't contradict the nature of God and what the Bible reveals to us, but yet if we're just looking for chapter and verse for everything, Listen to what it finishes saying, many, 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 many other things that aren't recorded that Jesus did. And so this morning we're saying we want to be people that are led by the Spirit, that aligns with the Word. And this morning as we just come to this, we want to just understand the essence of everything that was happening in this moment. Let me set the context of this for the Jews. 
For the Jewish people, we see this from Scripture, they had a hope that the Messiah was going to come. Phil talked about this last week in Genesis 3.15. It was the first reference, obviously, straight off the back of the fall. There's this reference in the prophetic word that is spoken spoken about um, one who would come, who would crush the head of the serpent. So the devil has led people, led Adam and Eve into the fall. And yet there's this first prophetic word that is given. First of many prophetic words that were spoken about the Messiah. In hindsight, looking back, we now see that Jesus fulfilled so many of them. Actually, over 300 of the prophetic word that Jesus actually fulfills. And yet for the Jews, they waited. They longed for the Messiah. They longed for the one who was coming. And listen, let me just say this. They almost waited. And here's the truth, and it can often happen for many of us. In this place of familiarity, many waited, but many missed what was right in front of them. As Jesus was here on earth, the Jews who were waiting and longing for the Messiah, because they were so familiar with us, they missed what was right in front of them. The Messiah was here. And here's here's the truth of this, is that around this time, around this time when Jesus was here on earth, when Jesus was ministering, there was a prophetic word that had been spoken in the book of Daniel about the Messiah who would come. Listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 9. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From this time, the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the Messiah, the ruler, comes There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. This prophetic word that was spoken, I'm not going to labor in this, but this prophetic word that was spoken, the 70 sevens are decreed. There was a time that equates to about 490 years. It's not as if it was a literal number, but it's exactly that it was going to be. But the Jews knew, the Jewish understanding and the expectation that around this time, there was one that was going to come, the Messiah, from the end of the exile. The children of Israel have been carried into exile. And from the end of that time, they were believing, listen, 4,500 years was bringing them to this point when Jesus was carrying out his ministry in terms of Jesus' death. It was bringing them to this point. There was a major expectation Messiah could come at any time. Still at the moment where we're almost believing Jesus could return at any time. This is what they were, were expecting. They were, they were believing that he could come. There was a growing expectation It's what made the disciples, perhaps, when they experienced Jesus, immediately just leave everything and follow him because there was a growing expectation to believe this is the one we've been waiting for. They, along with all of Israel, were in a place of deep expectation. The disciples had believed in him so much. Could this be the Messiah? They had believed with full hope he is the one. This is why Peter, in these famous words where Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, down at the bottom, you see this. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is the one we're expecting, we're believing. It's right now, the hope of Israel, the hope of the world. The hope had come and declared a new message. The kingdom of heaven was present. And then, he's dead. Imagine what that did in their heads. The growing swell of expectation the Messiah could come. Yes, they had a belief of what where the Messiah could potentially come. But for the disciples, they believed this is the one. The one that everyone is believing is going to come now. They believe this is the one. And so much that they had given up everything. They had faced so much with Jesus and they were believing. And yet, now he's dead. He's gone. How is this possible? 
this is the one that we believed our father Abraham spoke of. This is the one that we believed the prophets spoke of. And now what we're seeing we're introduced to is that this in the midst of hopelessness, now the disciples just have ended up just getting locked in this place of fear. Sometimes when all hope goes out the window, the things that we've placed our hope in, the things that we've believed in, when it's not there, when it's the way that we hoped it would materialize, the way that we hoped it would go, and it doesn't go that way. Fear just grips our hearts. We see this and we read, they were locked in a room. For fear of the Jewish leaders, they locked themselves away. They had closed the doors. Their hopes and their dreams had been shattered. Where previously they were filled with faith, now it has been lost, and they're gripped with fear. Where before there was boldness, it just feels like they're just paralyzed with worry. You see, the disciples have forgotten all that Jesus had said before. We see this in many of the post-resurrection appearances. He said, do you not remember what he told you? In the midst of this, because they're so locked in this moment where it's just like, it's gone, it's done, everything that we had hoped for, the way that we thought it was going to be, it's gone in the midst of this, the fear that is gripping them means that they can't even remember. Their focus isn't on the things that God has promised. Their focus isn't on the things that Jesus has already declared. Their focus is just on this moment that they just can't see past. And it is paralyzing them. It is gripping them. Today, I just want to just speak into the room firstly with us to some people. Who perhaps, it just feels similar to that. That because the way that life has maybe thrown some curveballs, because of some of the major disappointments that perhaps you're feeling in your life at the moment, because things haven't really materialized the way, materialized the way you thought it would be, perhaps not even in your life, but even in the life of those that you love, it just feels like it has just created this sense of hopelessness. It feels like it has just created this sense of fear in your life. And it's in this that it's just like your mind has just got locked in it. It is hard to hear God at the minute. It's hard to see him. It's hard to remember many of the promises that he has already spoken. Because in the midst of this, this is the thing that just feels like the overarching narrative that is just predominant in your life at the moment. And it's the same as the disciples that were in this place. They were just gripped with fear. The reason why I want to stress the context of the disciples, the reason why I wanted to take time is that it's just to see the level of hope that they had. Perhaps for many in the room, this is the level of just sheer disappointment you just feel left with. God, I felt for sure that you had said this, and now it's this. God, this is not the way I thought it was going to be. God, this is not how I thought my hope and my relationship was going to lead in this way. And today we need to hear again, similar to disciples, this is the truth. Jesus isn't absent. Jesus is with us. Jesus hasn't promised to simply remove all of our problems from us, but Jesus has promised to be with us in them. Jesus has said these words, in this world you will have trouble, but he has also said, know this, I am with you to the very end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And as Jesus turns up to the disciples in the midst of their fears, and today what we need to hear is that Jesus, as he turns up in the midst of your fears, my fears, in the midst of the disappointments we have, Jesus still speaks the same thing that he speaks in this moment. This is what resurrection life declares to us. In this moment this morning, one of the things we want to receive afresh is the words of Jesus where he simply says this, peace be with you. Peace be with you. 
One of the truths we see in this is that you see as we partner with resurrection life, it can ultimately lead from this place, firstly, we can step from fear to just an experience of peace. In the entire passage, for example, like those words, peace be with you, Jesus says it three or four times. He just keeps repeating it, peace be with you, peace be with you. Listen, I know, listen, many of you understand Jewish culture. That was a really familiar phrase, shalom. Many Jews, if you read things or you watch things, you'll see them just turn up and they say the shalom. Shalom is just like a haya. It's like a common greeting that they speak. They speak this out. Again, for many people, as they heard these words, they could just feel that feels familiar. And there was much, much more than just what was familiar. The disciples, they had heard these words before, and as they hear them again, they're filled with, we have heard him speak about this word before, this word shalom, this word peace. They had heard him desire and declare something about this over their life that was so true, that was so different from the familiarity of how people had used it. This was no familiar ordinary man. This was Jesus. This was him coming, and this was him declaring what he had spoken to them, and they'd heard these words before. And he said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give, not in the familiar way that you hear other people use this word shalom, just using it as a common greeting. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Not as the world says, not as the world uses it in the familiar, just almost just everyday setting. My peace I leave with you, and because of my peace is what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I... uh, I really hope that in your life, you have good people around you. I'm thankful for the people in my life who I, I love, I just support. I hope that you have good people around you who can support you. Can I just say this to you? If you feel alone, I want you to know we're here for you. As a church family, we want to be here to support you. You do not have to journey alone. But you know what? More than that, though. Whether you feel you've got the greatest support systems and networks in the world, this morning what I want you to experience and to have more than anything else is the shalom, the peace of God tangible in your heart. This is one of the things we want to pray for at the end. This word shalom, the peace of God, is what we want to pray and declare over at the very end. It's just that there would be a tangible experience in the midst of it just can feel again like hopelessness in our lives. That as we go through it, as Jesus steps into the midst of it with us, as he declares this peace that would grip your heart afresh, this is Jesus. This is no ordinary word. This is no ordinary declaration. This is the shalom and the peace of heaven that can lead us into places of life. You see, this declaration of shalom, it literally means to flourish. It's much more than just a nice wee word. When we declare shalom over someone, it means that we're declaring a flourishing. To speak shalom or peace over people or situations literally means to declare and speak a flourishing over these things. This is why Jesus says, not as the world gives. Not as the world would use these things. Jesus' desire for us is that we would flourish even in the midst of these moments. Imagine that. You see, when Jesus says, My purpose, the Father's purpose, is for you to experience life in the fullest way possible. What we think that means is, I'm never going to have any problems. (laughs) That would be feeling like life in the fullest way possible. And yet Jesus says, in the midst of your problems, I want you to flourish. Despite your problems, I want you to flourish. 
actually through your problems, in spite of your problems, in the midst of your problems, I desire you to flourish. Because his peace can rest heavy on our hearts. And this is where we just simply just, again, from this resurrection life can lead us from this place from fear to flourishing. A sense of just wholeness and fullness in our lives. Imagine that this is available. We need to learn and grow in what it is to not partner with our fear, but instead to partner with his peace. Not to partner with a narrative of fear that the enemy wants to lock and to grip and to paralyze your heart with, but instead to partner with the flourishing that he offers us in the midst of these moments. This is why we just sang these words, no fear in life, no sting in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Guys, you know, sometimes we can just really easily sing these songs because they're nice wee melodies and they're nice lyrics, but this is truth. This is the power of Christ at work in us. We need to realize and have an understanding of all that's available as we partner with resurrection life. As we partner with the resurrected Jesus and we invite him by his presence into our lives day and daily by his spirit. This is what is available to us even as we partner or as we journey through difficulties. These can still be moments and opportunities for you to flourish. Not as the world gives, I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Next thing, just simply to say is this. One of the things that resurrection life, as we partner with it, can lead us into is this. A release of supernatural faith. Just for the rest, like for the last 10 minutes, I, uh, I, wanna, I want us to focus our time on good old Thomas. This is a boy that just gets a lot of bad press, I think, um, in our understanding Thomas, who was one of the disciples, Thomas, who had said his yes to follow Jesus. In today's world, Thomas mainly gets linked with one thing. What's that? Doubt. <laughs> oh, you're just a doubting Thomas. You're just a doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas. Imagine, isn't that awful? Your name gets linked with this one thing. Doubting Thomas, as many people can consider. And yet, if we look closely at the text and other parts of what we know about Thomas we begin to see a different person. In this, we get to see Jesus, and I love this. As Jesus turns up, Jesus actually uses this as an opportunity to actually disciple Thomas in this moment, to journey him forward and leading him into supernatural levels of faith. Firstly, we begin, as we look at the passage we saw earlier, let's go back to this verse we read. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, this is the ten. Thomas isn't here. The doors were locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. All right? So the disciples are afraid. But guess who wasn't in the room? Old doubting Thomas, the one that gets the bad press. Thomas wasn't in the room. Listen, it could be perhaps for a couple of different reasons. Perhaps Thomas was so afraid that he was wanting hiding in his own room, in a room in his own house, or something like that. Perhaps he was so crippled. Or imagine perhaps... Thomas just wasn't joining in with the rest of this fear party. Perhaps we just have looked at it in a completely wrong way. Thomas wasn't in this room with the rest of the ten who were afraid. Thomas was out facing his fear. Thomas in this moment wasn't joining in with the popular consent and the popular narrative that many other people were using. He wasn't in the room. Poor old Thomas, doubter, oh, we want to be like him, but yet he wasn't there when everyone was fearful. 
You ever seen those moments as well? And in the midst of this, so Jesus turns up to the ten, and Jesus shows them his hands, and Jesus shows them his side. And then eventually when Thomas does come in, they're just like, Thomas, you missed it. It was the best ever. Have you ever had those moments in church where like you missed a Sunday or you've missed a meeting and people said, oh, it was the best night ever, the best morning. Like the Shekinah glory of God fell in the place. There was like angels everywhere. And, and sometimes, here's the thing, you had those moments, I know I'm exaggerating, right? But you had those moments where people say, oh, it was just like, it was amazing. And when you're not in the room, your mind does one of two things, if we're being honest. You can be gutted you've missed it, which I think a huge part of Thomas was. He had seen Jesus dead, and he wanted to be able to see all that they'd seen. And out of this, he he speaks out of his place of frustration. Or, I don't know about you, but sometimes when people say about the amazing things that happen when you're not in the room, sometimes, if we're being honest, you can be a bit skeptical. (laughs) Do you ever feel that? They're just exaggerating. Oh, the presence of God was amazing. I've heard that before. Oh, really good. Do you ever, anyone else feel that way? Is it just me? Anyone else feel that when you hear and it's because you're not there and you haven't experienced it, you can be like, oh, that's good, but you don't really partner with it. You don't really fully believe in what's happening, even though there's been the word and the testimony of other people who've experienced it. There's something that happens in our minds because we weren't there and I feel that this is what was happening with Thomas in this moment. Thomas is struggling, yes, with disbelief, but so did the other disciples. The other disciples had massive moments of just lack of faith and lack of, and just a sheer disbelief in moments, and Jesus comes in, and yet we don't give them the hard press that we give poor old Thomas in this moment, and yet Jesus graciously turns up and shows Thomas the things that he wants to see, his hands and his side. Thomas is in awe, but Jesus speaks to show Thomas what supernatural faith And true kingdom faith is like, let me just say this firstly, faith is not simply the absence of fear. Faith can help us with our fear. But if if you're saying this morning, do I have faith? So let's examine our hearts. Do I have faith if you're saying, am I fearful? Am I a fearful person? If you're saying no because you're not experiencing fear, does that mean that you're filled with faith? No. No. It's great that faith can help us with our fear, but what Jesus comes in this moment to do, and what Jesus even this morning as we partner with resurrection life, Jesus wants us to show what supernatural faith can release into our very life and our very very beings. You, um, let me just see where I'm at, sorry. Yeah, so faith is not the absence of fear. And so Jesus actually says this to Thomas. He says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Paul would say to the church in Corinth, we live by faith, not by sight. Sometimes on our journey with Jesus, it's really easy to believe in the things that we can see, the things that we are tangibly experiencing at the moment. And yet the things that Jesus has declared and the things that we have promised, if we're not experiencing it in the moment, we have major doubts around it. There's much, perhaps, that we're struggling with at the moment, and yet as we come into this presence and encounter resurrected Jesus, he tells us to not live by, by with our hope in what we see, but what he has promised and what he has spoken. The writer to Hebrews would simply say these words with this. Just one more thing after this, and I'm almost done. But the writer to Hebrews would say this. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. 
and the assurance about what we do not see. If your faith and your relationship with Jesus is just marked by what you see right in front of you, you are absent in terms of supernatural faith and resurrected Jesus and resurrection power. What he desires to release in our life and through us is that we would be a people that would be filled with a measure of supernatural faith that says, God, because you have declared it, because you have spoken it, I know the things that you've spoken to me. And I feel it's the complete opposite at the moment. Yet because you have said it, I believe. I hold on. I'm waiting for the right time and the right moment. God, I know that you will outwork these things at your time in your way. Perhaps like Thomas, your faith has wobbled in a moment of uncertainty. And today, Jesus, in his gracious way that he does with Thomas, just desires to encourage you. Jesus, in his beautiful, beautiful way, just desires to just journey alongside you. To lead you into an experience of supernatural faith, not based on what you see, but based on what he has declared. If you see or know and believe the promise the Lord has spoken, hold on. He will fulfill what he has spoken in his time. At the right way. And the final thing just simply to say is this. You know, as we partner with resurrection life and we see this in the story. It means that we can be a people that can walk and step into purpose and into destiny. I want you to hear this this morning. There is purpose for your life. There perhaps is some in the room this morning that you just feel like your life has no purpose. I want you to hear that that is a lie spoken over you. I need you to hear this morning that there is full purpose over your life. Perhaps it feels like because even from what the world would say is a really good thing and fills you full of purpose like job security, financial security, whatever those things might be. Those are not the things that we put our hope in this morning. I need you to hear that there is purpose because Jesus is present. Because of his resurrection life and what's available to us this morning, I need you to hear there is purpose. One of the things I love the most about Jesus and of being honest, being in relationship with Jesus is that I am so thankful that he walks and steps in relationship with us. Listen what, um, this might be a bit you've glimpsed over before. It caught me during the week. Listen what happens in verse 21 and 22. Listen what Jesus says. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I've read over that loads and loads of times. And this week, I just paused and was just like, what? But this isn't Pentecost. God, Pentecost isn't until like a couple of pages later in my Bible. And this is when you said the Holy Spirit was coming. I don't know if you've noticed it before. There's something about as the disciples in this moment and Jesus in the midst of their fear, in the midst of this, Jesus is here to journey with them. Jesus is sending them out, but he gives them a measure of the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing, this isn't the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is going to come in Acts chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost. Jesus has already told the disciples in earlier chapters that the Spirit would come when he had ascended to the Father. He hasn't ascended yet. This is not the outpouring of the Spirit. But yet similar to what happened in the moments of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to specific individuals in specific moments. I believe that Jesus allows the disciples to experience the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? Pentecost is going to happen. 
in a few pages' time. The disciples are going to be here and they're going to lead the thousands of people that are there in that moment in terms of an experience, in terms of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus as their rabbi, Jesus as their Lord, Jesus as their disciple doesn't want them to miss it in that moment, so he allows them to experience it now a little. In this moment, as he breathes on them, as they experience something of the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost, when it happens, they recognize this is the Holy Spirit. We remember when we experienced it at that point, Jesus. We remember when you breathed in us and we experienced a tangible experience of your Holy Spirit. Now we believe, and this is what causes Peter to stand up in boldness at this moment and declare, men of Israel, this is what the prophet Joel declared to us. In these days, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. They had experienced it in this moment. And here's the learning for us. We have a, I'm not sure if I have this on the screen. Yeah, we do. We have a father who ever since the garden desires to walk and journey with his people. Ever since the beginning, since the Garden of Eden, he just desires to walk and to journey with his people. Do you know, this is what we need to understand, even with the measure of the Holy Spirit and what it is to step into resurrection life. God's not expecting for you to be right there. He journeys with us. And this is the truth of what you need to hear. Whatever measure you feel you've experienced at the moment, there is more yet that you haven't experienced. There's more for you that the Father desires to lead you into even at this moment. And even for the disciples at Pentecost, this is the truth. They could have just rested at that moment and thought, this is great. That was a cool experience. And yet what we see with the disciples is that they used this moment to press on for more, to press on and believing. You see this, this, this is me done. As they partnered with the resurrection life. Steve, do you want to even come and do a wee bit of keys? As they partnered with resurrection life, fear-filled men that were hiding away in a room, suddenly their lives get transformed. This isn't about us trying things on our own merit and our own strength. When we partner with resurrection life, when we partner with Jesus, what we see is that the disciples, they went on to just form the beginning of the church. What about Pearl Thomas? What about that real big doubter that we always talk about? Thomas, who was a man who was so filled with faith, who, yes, had a question and he needed to ask, who Jesus comes in and steps into this moment. Christian tradition would actually tell us this. Church tradition and history tells us that Thomas traveled outside of the Roman Empire as a missionary, possibly as far away as India, to preach the gospel, which is yet another indication of Thomas's boldness. He may have reached Merzias, whatever that is, India, where he was baptized several believers and was possibly the first to bring the gospel as far as the east or to the far east. It's in this place that Thomas actually gets killed as well with a spear. It's in this place that Thomas is killed. Someone who in this moment as Jesus steps in, as he experiences resurrection, Jesus suddenly gets so filled afresh with faith. It's just like, I'm going for this. Jesus, I want all of my life to just count. And this morning, listen, this is us done. We're going to release you in about a minute or so. This morning, I would just love us just to pray into this this morning. Into these few different things. And I feel that there's, I'm not going to ask you to stand at different times. I'm just going to just name these two or three areas. And I just would love us just if you feel this morning, you would love to receive. Jesus is in the room. 
And this is what I read from the scriptures. When Jesus comes into the room, everything changes. What we've entered in with, maybe our mindset and our thoughts, when Jesus comes into a room, everything changes. And this morning, I just would love to just speak to you and just to say these words that this morning would love us just to pray, firstly, for a release of peace. Perhaps you're in the room this morning and it just feels like there's an inner turmoil that's going on in your mind and in your heart. The weight of the world and the troubles of this life just feel at the minute, just feel like it's just racking and just pulling and tearing away at your spirit and at your soul this morning. I would love to pray just a release of that shalom, the weightiness of the presence of God that just leads to flourishing. This morning I would love to just pray for release of faith. A supernatural faith for us this morning that we could be a people that actually it says God even though I can't see it because you've spoken it I believe remember faith is not about the absence of fear but faith is about when God has spoken we'll believe and we'll hold on and we'll hang on I want to believe that this morning and this morning yeah, I just I feel that word and I want to boldly say this even around that idea of purpose and destiny that God wants to flood hearts with I want to just speak, and I don't know why, but maybe it's the Holy Spirit nudging me to say this. I feel that this morning it's important to hear. Life is worth living. There might be somebody in the room this morning that perhaps that has been the opposite thought of that. It's not worth going on. This morning I just would love us in the midst of just receiving peace and this morning I would just love to just pray purpose and destiny and so listen this morning I'm not asking you to stand individually so people can look around and see what people are responding to but this morning as we finish I would just love to just pray for a release of that presence with us this morning and if you want to respond to any of that I would love you to stand I would love you to stand this morning people standing in the room this morning we're going to pray but if you would love to receive in this moment I don't want you to miss out I would love you to stand but even if this morning it's just where you're at just holding out your hands I would love for us to receive this morning Jesus, we hear afresh your word this morning. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace, my shalom, I give to you. I don't give you as the world gives. I don't try to explain it as the world explains it. This is a peace that means that your hearts don't have to be troubled. God, I just pray a 
deep release, God, of that peace, God, of every heart and every mind, God, whether people are standing or not this morning. God, I pray, release, God, of your shalom, the heaviness, God, of the shalom of God and the kingdom of God resting, God, over every heart, over every life, over every family over every circumstance, over every situation. God, I pray, Lord, a flourishing, God, over every life, God, that's represented in the room this morning. God, I pray that as we encounter with you in the resurrection life that you bring to us, I pray a deep flourishing, God, over every life. God, I pray a release of faith, God, in the room this morning. I pray a release of faith, God, that says, because you have said it, because, we, God, we know the things that you've spoken to us, God, while other people might say it's stupid, God, I just pray, Lord, just a resoluteness, God, in our spirits to hold on, to hold on to what you have said, God, to what you have spoken. God, I just pray, Lord, that those things that have been promised, God, those things that people are holding on to and feel like that it's been years they've been holding on, God, I just pray, Lord, just that you'll just give them the boldness to keep holding on. God, I pray, Lord, for a a fresh level of faith, God, Lord, perhaps this morning to rise up. God, I pray a purpose this morning. God, I pray it over hearts this morning that perhaps the enemy is trying to really get in this morning and says, just give up. God, this morning I want to rebuke the lies of the enemy in this place. God, I want to rebuke the lies, God, of of the devil, God, that would say, God, life is not worth living. Life has no purpose for us. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that because you live, Jesus, that we would be a people that would give our full yes to you, God, that would find our full peace and our full security in you, Jesus. Father, thank you that we are your children. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy that it is that you are present with us, that you step in, God, to the midst of our fear and to the midst, God, of our disappointments and you journey with us from that place. And God, I just pray world changers, God, Lord, amongst us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just do something deeper than us, God, in our families, God, in our jobs. God, I just pray there'd be something that you would just release, God, within us and through us, God, that would just see your kingdom come and spread, God, Lord, like yeast. That would see it start to grow, God, through our lives. Jesus, we just want to just come this morning and say, we love you. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your life. God, it's that that we want to say yes, we want to partner with. And God, I just pray an experience of a God this week afresh over each of our hearts, over each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.